The reading is Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 to 20. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what goes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good to have you with us. And we're carrying on our series in Matthew and thinking about responding to Jesus, responding to the King. Uh, And today, the response is going to go a little deeper. It's going to get under the surface. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that phrase, under the surface. Here's what comes to my mind. Here's a picture. Uh, Going for my MOT. Hopefully, it'll come on the screen. Going for my MOT. That's what comes to my mind. I am no mechanic. I am terrible with all mechanical things. I can just about tell if uh, I've got a flat tire. Uh, I can tell if there's a scratch down the car, or I can just about tell if the exhaust's coming off, although I have driven around with a rattling noise going on behind me for about two or three days before thinking, what is that? Uh, But I am no mechanic. Uh, But every year, once a year, I have to take my car to the garage and hand over the keys to a mechanic who can get under the surface, open up uh, the bonnet and and all all that. Now, when I have a fairly superficial problem, I know it can be fixed. It's not that worrying, uh, and it's probably not too expensive to replace a tire or something like that. 
I have to say, even though an MOT is necessary, I find it an unsettling experience. I don't know if anyone else feels like this. You hand over the keys, you go home, and then you've just got this low-level sense of worry for most of the rest of the day until you get the phone call back. How much is this going to cost? <laughs> is there anything seriously wrong that I don't know anything about? Getting under the surface, necessary, but can be a little bit unsettling, and it can be unwelcome if you get bad news. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be cars. Think about at school, uh, our platformers, pathfinders uh, who are here with us. Uh, there are some people who can get under the surface there, aren't they? Get under your skin and, and say things that aren't just superficial, uh, but are actually really meaningful. So when a teacher tells you that you've got bad handwriting, or something, I used to get that all the time, uh, you know, fair enough, just pay a bit of attention, it's okay, it's not that serious. But if a teacher says something about your attitude, or whether you're a bit lazy, and you know they've got a point because they've seen what's going on, it just gets under your skin. It bothers you. Uh, you, you. You need to respond. And Jesus has this wonderful habit of being able to get under people's skin, and he has this amazing habit of getting people to respond. And today he gets a response from the Pharisees. He provokes a response, and it's a big response. In fact, what we have in this passage is a big showdown. I think we've got a map. Uh, coming up on the screen. And um, we've been seeing Jesus has been doing some amazing things. He's been making waves. He's been walking on waves. He's been doing loads. And he's been doing all that stuff up in Galilee, in, in the north of the country. And we read in verse 1 of our passage, some Pharisees and the teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's down there in the south. And that journey is about 100 miles. So they're not just bumping into Jesus. They've gone out of their way to make a point. They want a showdown with him. They want to go and see him to make a point. Uh, why? Why have they traveled all this distance? I think in part it's showing us a glimpse of what's to come in Matthew. You, you might know how the story goes on, but from this point on, the whole center of action is going to move toward Jerusalem. And these guys come from Jerusalem, and we're about to get a hint of what Jesus can expect when he makes his way there. But it's also that Jesus has touched on something that the Pharisees really don't like. They've come a hundred miles to make a point. And what is the point that they make? Verse 2, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And that might sound a bit strange to us. What? I mean, Jesus has just fed 20,000 people probably with five loaves and two fish, and you're really, the point you want to make from that is you didn't wash your hands first. Is that really what you want to say about that? But for the Pharisees, you see, this, this was an important thing. The Pharisees were a religious group who were getting ready for God's Messiah. They thought God was going to come and fulfill his promises to Israel, and to do that, they said, the people need to be ready to greet the Messiah. And so they looked through their Old Testament, and they looked at all sorts of principles. And one of the principles in the Old Testament is you should be clean before God. And there were certain washings that you had to do, particularly for priests, to be fit to worship God in the temple. And then the Pharisees looked and said, but, but we're all suppo supposed to be a royal priesthood, aren't we? So maybe everybody should do these washings. Didn't say that in God's word, but they said, we'll all do these special washings. We'll all get ourselves ready and be holy and, and right for God when... Exactly the 
and they were actually demanding them to do something that God had never said. And this is where Jesus will come back at us. Uh, and here's our first point today. Beware of keeping God's word at a distance. Beware of keeping God's word at a distance. It's important to note, they have this tradition. It comes vaguely out of the Bible. And it's important to note, Jesus never actually criticizes the tradition. He never actually says, it's wrong to wash your hands. Don't do it. It's bad. Never says that. Jesus doesn't have a problem with traditions as such. What he has a problem with is when people use their tradition to keep the word of God out to displace the word of God, to push it to one side. And that's the issue in verse 3. Why do you break the command of God, says Jesus, for the sake of your tradition? Uh, There's a battle going on between the tradition and the command of God. And in verse 4 and 5, we get that. At the start of verse 4, Jesus says, God said, and then quotes from the Bible. And then in verse 5, he says, but you say. Do you see there's this battle going on? So seriously do they take their traditions that Jesus says they're in danger of letting the tradition push out God's word and displace it. That's the problem that Jesus has identified with these traditions. They displace God's word. And the example he gives is a strange one perhaps to our ears. It's it's to do with this thing called Corban, Corban, um, which was a, a, a policy where Uh, If you wanted to, a bit like leaving a legacy in a will, uh, you could leave maybe some land or some property to the temple as a way of honoring God. Well, what a lovely religious thing to do, you might think. What what could please God more than me giving him some of my property or some of my land uh, and giving the temple uh, that stuff? And you'd make that sort of vow, and that, that property, that land, would then be off limits to anyone else. So you couldn't sell it. It was there, and then when you died, it would be given to the temple, and they could do what they wanted with it. Now, of course, if you'd made that sort of a vow, then you couldn't sell the the, the property for any reason. So the the situation Jesus has got in mind here is, uh, imagine somebody whose mum and dad have got into a bit of financial trouble. Uh, Maybe something's gone wrong, and they could do with some cash quickly. And this person doesn't really want... They've got a piece of property or a piece of land that they could sell and give the money to mum and dad, but they don't really want to. It's a nice, nice bit of property. It's a nice bit of land. It makes them a bit of money. Tell you what I'll do, they say. I'll devote it to the temple. It'll be Corban. I'll make a vow so that the temple get it when I die, but right now I'm not allowed to sell it. Sorry, mum. Sorry, dad. Can't sell the, can't sell the land. Give you the money you need. It's, it's devoted to the temple, has to, has to stay with me, what a shame. And of course, then you can keep earning from the land and the property while it's there. Also, apparently, there were lots of ways to sort of wriggle out of these vows later on down the line. So when mum and dad didn't need the money anymore, oh, well, I'm not sure that vow was all that serious. This sort of thing happens. And Jesus says, don't you see? What God said in his word is, honor your father and mother. He took that seriously. And that's hard work, honoring parents or uh, brothers or sisters or children or, for that matter, friends. Uh, It's hard work honoring anybody in a relationship. Relationships take time and effort and energy. And sometimes, yes, they take money. But God cares about those sorts of things. He cares about relationships and people. 
His great command, love him with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. But they've replaced that quite challenging command with a tradition that's much easier. I'll just give some land to the temple when I'm dead. And Jesus is is using that as an example, but he's talking more generally to the Pharisees about all their traditions that they've stacked up, including this tradition of hand-washing. Nothing wrong with the traditions in themselves, but there is something wrong when they push God's word out. And the biggest problem of all with these things, these traditions, particularly as they replace God's word, is that they make us self-righteous. First of all, in verse 6, you've nullified the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And what's the result of of doing that, pushing God's word out for your tradition? You hypocrites, verse 7. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So you claim to be God's people and that you love him and you want to be with him. But you don't listen to him, says Jesus. You've not looked at what he's actually said in his word. You've invented your own set of traditions that you can keep. It's a bit like this. If you're at school, imagine you said, I'm not going to hand any work in to my teachers. I'm going to mark it myself. And I'm going to decide what grade I get. And wouldn't you know it, you do really well. (laughs) You get top marks every time, which is great. It makes you feel lovely, doesn't it? The only problem is it's not much help to you when an exam comes round or something like that, where you have to send the paper off to some external examiner. It's no good for you. You've done fine by your own standards, but you haven't actually taken it to the person who matters and got their feedback. That's what self-righteousness is like. And Jesus says traditions are fine in themselves, but if they've pushed God's word out, the the danger is this self-righteousness, that your teachings are just human rules. You've not listened to what God actually wants. You've just decided for yourself. And why is it that Jesus has a problem with that? Well, it's point two, because Jesus wants a response that's more than skin deep. Jesus wants a response that's more than skin deep. Jesus wants a heart response, not a superficial response. That's what God is after in his word. He cares about love and relationships and character. Uh, These things aren't easily ticked off on a list or quantifiable. You can't just do these three things and there you go. You've got a great character and your love and your relationships are all sorted. These take work. These take time. But they're what God cares about. And Jesus says this kind of self-righteousness, this kind of human rules and traditions, when they push God's word out so that we're no longer caring about what God tells us to care about, but we're making the rules up ourselves, it's very dangerous. So Jesus calls the crowds to him in verse 10 and says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Jesus is saying, what's on the outside, the surface, is less important than what's inside a person, what comes from their heart. Verse 15 calls that a parable, Jesus' little saying there. And the disciples don't seem to understand the parable, but the Pharisees do. The disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? The Pharisees understand what Jesus is getting at. He's calling them superficial. He's calling their traditions uh, superficial things that replace God's word 
push it out and are of no value. Worth bearing in mind at this point, if you attack someone's traditions, um, it, it is worth bearing in mind, you might expect quite a strong response from them. These things are cherished and deeply held. If you push and prod, if you go under the surface, if you get under someone's skin, you can expect a bit of a strong response. And Jesus provokes one from the Pharisees. Why does he do it? Why does he do it? Because Jesus is loving. Jesus is concerned for everyone that they not follow this bad example because it goes nowhere. Verse 13, Jesus replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them their blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a pit. He uses two pictures to, to explain why it is he's, he's got it in for these Pharisees and their tradition that pushes out the word of God. Why, why it is that, that Jesus has no time for that? He uses two pictures, one of a plant and one of a guide. And he says they won't flourish and they won't finish. In the end, this road of human rule-keeping and tradition, it goes nowhere. Don't follow that pattern. You see, Jesus, yes, he's willing to get under the skin. He's willing to provoke. He's even willing here to offend. But it's all for a loving purpose. He doesn't want people falling into the trap of this human-made self-righteousness that will have no ultimate value before God. God cares about character and actions. And so Jesus explains this to his disciples. Are you so dull? Don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. See, the question arises, doesn't it? Why are traditions so um, attractive? Why do we fall into the trap of creating them? And we all do. Everyone has traditions. See, we might read a passage like this, and our mind immediately goes to some sort of quite ornate uh, church very different to ours, which has you know sort of everybody garbed out in a certain way and lots of ceremonies and you think well traditions. We all have traditions. We have a tradition in the way we welcome people at church. A, a tradition in how we do the sermon. I mean ours tend to be about twenty minutes long and have three points. You know, there are traditions in every church and every church culture. And like I said, Jesus doesn't criticise tradition. It's not necessarily bad. It's not bad to have a culture of small groups in your church or, or a culture of welcome or a culture of, of sermons. In fact, these things, uh, at their best, they arise out of something good. Yeah, The Pharisees wanted to be clean because it was a sign of sort of holiness and godliness. Uh, we do these things around sermons or small groups because we want to meditate on God's word. And that is something God cares about and wants us to do. The traditions in themselves aren't wrong. Unless they're pushing God's word out or masking something, stopping us doing real engagement with what's inside our hearts. If we do these traditions and we say, right, I'm doing very well as a Christian because I've been at every small group this term, because I've read my Bible every morning, if they happen to be your traditions, 
If we're doing those things really well, we can pat ourselves on the back. But it doesn't necessarily mean our heart's in a good place. In the UK and the US, there have been scandals within the evangelical church uh, recently. If you were just looking at the traditions, the amount of evangelism going on, the amount of one-to-one Bible studies, the amount of whatever, I bet they could have racked up a good score. But those traditions could and were used to hide some pretty unclean stuff in the hearts of people in those cultures. In the hearts of some people in those cultures anyway. That's what tradition can do. By pushing the word of God out, it can mask us and cut us off from where our hearts are really at. And Jesus says that is, that is, that's got no future. <laughs> that won't flourish. That won't finish. And he, he doesn't want anybody to go down that road. Instead, what Jesus wants is real engagement with our hearts. He wants to get under the surface. See, traditions are comfortable, though, because going to our heart can be scary. I mean, look at what Jesus says is in our hearts in verse 19. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. I don't know if you've ever really looked into your own heart. It can be a scary experience. You can look there and you can say, wow, I didn't realize how angry I was able to get. I didn't realize how unfaithful I was there in in my thought life. I I didn't realize whatever it might be for you. Maybe you have been shocked at times by what lurks there. And, And if you get shocked, it can say, wow, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to keep that at arm's length. And traditions are a really nice, safe, easy way to do that, to keep your heart and you a little bit apart. And to keep your heart and God a little bit apart. I guess that's why we stack up our own traditions. But Jesus says there's no future in it. Wow, that's a, that's a tense place for us to be, isn't it? There's no future in it, but it's a lot more comfortable. I, I don't really want to walk into that scary place where my heart is and deal with what I might find there. What's the answer? Well, fortunately, there is an answer. It doesn't come in this passage, but it comes in the rest of Matthew's gospel. As these people came from Jerusalem to Jesus, uh, Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem later on. And he's going to meet much the same reception. And eventually he's going to be hung on a cross. And in Matthew in particular, Matthew wants to point out that shame and guilt are poured on Jesus on the cross. Because Jesus says when he goes to the cross, what he is doing there is he is taking on himself all our sin, all our evil thoughts, all our murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Jesus says, I, I will pay the price for all of that. And I will send my Holy Spirit to help change your hearts, to make them clean, and to help you grow more into the kind of person God has made you to be holy and righteous before him. And God says, anyone who comes to me, I can wash away the sin that exists in your heart. And I think that's what we need to know to to avoid stacking up traditions that displace the word of God, uh, to avoid being unreal with our own hearts. We need to know that whatever we find, it's okay. Because Jesus can deal with it. 
think back to my car and it's MOT. You know, I'm nervous because what happens if it's just too big a bill and it can't be paid? What happens if it's just a complete write-off and I need to get a new car? Jesus' sort of spiritual MOT, if you want to put it like that, will never find anything he can't deal with. Never find a bill he can't pay. And we need to know that. Because that's where the power comes to engage in a real and honest way with your own heart. We're going to listen to a song in just a moment. A song that you might want to turn into a prayer as you reflect on the words. And think about what a deep response to Jesus today might look like. How to engage with him and be real about why he values you. Why he loves you enough to die for you. And it's not about the things you've managed to do this week or the boxes you've managed to tick. But before we listen to that song, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is honest, honest enough to tell us what our hearts are like. Thank you that he's also powerful and able to deal with what he finds in our hearts. Without those two things, we might be drifting along ourselves, making our own rules up because we're too scared to look within, or blind, unwilling to admit what's within. Thank you that Jesus and the power of his gospel makes it possible to break through our our blindness and our hard-heartedness, to look past traditions, which may in themselves be fine, but to look past them to what's really going on in our hearts between us and you. And we pray you'd be speaking to each of us this week and prompting us in those ways that draw us closer to you. We don't want to worship you in vain. We want to worship you with full and godly hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.